The history of the Osa Peninsula is steeped in mystery, and at one time this biologically intense place was a part of the ocean floor. However, as the volcanoes continued to erupt and the tectonic plates collided, an unbroken land bridge between North and South America formed, and the Osa Peninsula rose above the surface of the water. The land bridge between the great continents is in large part responsible for the incredibly high biodiversity found in this area. Humans have visited the Osa Peninsula as far back as 6000 BC. Wow. And various indigenous groups such as the Cherokee and the Barucas hunted the lush rainforest of the peninsula. Some 20 years after Christopher Columbus lands on the beach near Limon, explorer Gil Gonzalez Davila met a local Kakike, which is a tribal chief named Osa, hence the name of the peninsula. Then in 1569, Sir Francis Drake visited the shores of the Osa and was alleged to have buried a treasure somewhere along the coastline that has yet to be discovered. And I have the map. Contact me if you want the map. As the next couple of centuries passed, the Osa became a place that time forgot. Then in the 18th century, a Spanish naturalist named Ferdinand de Oviedo, who was visiting the region, was awestruck by the rich stock of flora and fauna. His plea to the locals was to take care of the forest, but his words went unheeded, and well into the 20th century, clearing the jungle was considered the best way to improve the land. In 1821, Costa Rica gained its independence from Spain, but most of the indigenous people of the southern zone were killed or driven out by the introduction of foreign diseases and coerced labor. The Osa Peninsula most likely became uninhabited and the forest cover throughout the area expanded and exploded. In 1848, Costa Rica became a republic and around that time, a colony of Panamanians were the first to migrate to this area around the Gulf of Dulce. The Costa Rican president at the time sent a mission of colonists to compete. At that point in time, cattle became king of the Osa Peninsula. By the end of the 19th century, a few naturalists had visited the Osa Peninsula. They faintly signaled that the Osa could someday become a territory of fundamental research. Then in the 1890s, a government-funded expedition focused on accurately mapping the southern region, intended to help legislators learn just what was theirs and how to best exploit it. This was also about the time that the original village of the Osa Peninsula, Santo Domingo, was taking root. In 1910, the town changed its name in honor of the first president to ever visit the Osa Peninsula, Ricardo Jimenez. At the time, the settlers of the Osa processed and sold coconut derivatives and other local produce to passing steamships. Also around this time, Osa was gaining a reputation as a place to drop off <laughs> criminals in the most remote locations of the peninsula. The natural barriers of the area basically isolated these lawless, low-life individuals to a life of fending for themselves in the wilds of the last frontier. Amazing. In the 1930s, things started to change on the Osa. The United Fruit Company decided to desert the Atlantic region and to move to the Pacific side because of a deterioration of the land near the Caribbean coast. In 1937, the United Fruit Company, 
moved to the Pacific on a land swap with the government and ended up owning much of the territory outside the OSA's previously settled areas. To the locals, the UFC was known as El Pulpo, the octopus. Also, Puerto Jimenez was an agricultural town of a few hundred that became home to the Costa Rican Banana Company, a subsidy of the United Fruit Company, which was exploiting hardwoods and exploring the Pacific lowlands of Central America for precious woods and to increase their plantings of banana and oil palm. At this time, gold was discovered on the Osa. This is where myth and storytelling shade the truth. Some say it was the criminals who discovered the valuable metal when they were left to live or die on this natural penal colony. Others say it was a settler who found gold dust in a shell on the beach. Whatever the truth might be, the Osa was now gaining notoriety as the last frontier, which was lawless yet full of incredible opportunity. Gold mining began in earnest in 1937 on the Golfo Dulce side of the Rio Tigre. The gold miners reached the Madrigal River, limit to present-day Corcovado National Park, in 1939. After discovering gold in the sand on the beach there, a gold rush began, complete with a movie theater, general store, brothel, and bar. This was short-lived. In 1938, Puerto Jimenez had grown into a slightly larger and less demure frontier town, gaining an airstrip with passenger flights to San Jose. Big mining companies descend on the Karate River in the 1940s, and in 1943, the United Fruit Company determined that Osa's soils, topography, and accessibility were not apt for banana production. Shortly after that, the company needed all 13 of its OSA properties comprising of 117,000 acres, about one-third of the peninsula, to a retiring company engineer. In 1950, Puerto Jimenez Town Center was moved to its present location. In those days, the streets were grass, says Anita Polanco, who initially arrived on the OSA in the late 1930s in search of gold. It was a very small place, and all the families knew each other. There was the Quintero, the Sabajo, the Aguirres, and the Chavaria, the Pinzon family, the Lascana, and the Francisque family. Some 25 families owned the entire area. Professional crocodile hunters had hunted caiman and crocodiles around Corcovado between 1944 and 1969. They harpooned, skinned, and sold their hides in Punta Reynas for exportation to Japan. Just a lot of bad stuff going on there. Such an incredible waste of such a beautiful area. Between 1962 and 1973, over a thousand scientists visited this tropical research outpost. Their environmental land use studies, along with the conservation-oriented activity, soon provoked a revolutionary shift on the OSA. Curiously, this movement was promoted right under the nose of the fruit company, which would be directly affected by the actions of the scientists. Finally, in 1973, the fruit company shut down the station due to the campaign that the scientists were carrying out to create a national park. The stories go on and on and on. In 1974, a dirt road connected the eastern coast from Rincon to Puerto Jimenez, the capital town with only 600 inhabitants. There was no agricultural 
mechanization, excuse me, on the Osa Peninsula, corn, rice, and beans were planted in primitive ways using a stick or hand casting. Slash and burn agriculture was prevalent, and there was a lot of wasted land. There were squatters. There was problems. It was just like the Wild West there. Corcovado National Park was the first Costa Rican park justified only based on its ecological and scientific merits, without reference to cultural attributes. In 1978, the Costa Rican government acquired the remaining 16,000 hectares, and they were also successful at relocating the 300 farmers along with their livestock to the eastern side of the peninsula. The gold miners remain in Trent, so it took them about 15 years to get all the gold miners out of there, and they finally set up a law saying that you could not harvest gold out of the Corcovado National Park. The government of Costa Rica at this time also widely married its economic future to the relatively new concept of ecotourism as Costa Rica became one of the world's most prominent examples of sustainable development. In the 1990s, the last of the big mining companies left the OSA and the first full-service eco-lodges on the peninsula, such as Crocodile Bay, started to develop. And with that, ecotourism took hold. 20 to 25 years later, now Costa Rica is an eco-tourist vacation destination and many people go to the OSA Peninsula. They stay 7 to 10 days, usually sometimes 2 or 3 weeks. They never see anything like that before in their lives. So when you come to Costa Rica, I suggest you go to the Osa Peninsula. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.